Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. I'm very excited to bring you this episode. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, you'll know that we talk about the internet and creativity and making things online and offline. And I can't think of a better guest to talk about all those themes. Today's guest is Tavi Gevinson. I've followed Tavi for so many years. Actually, her fashion blog, Style Rookie, was one of the first blogs I ever read, which she founded when she was 11 years old. And most of you of a similar age to me will probably remember all of those photos of little Tavi Gevinson, age 11, sort of sitting behind Anna Wintour at front row fashion shows. And it was sort of the days where people were like, oh, blogging is a thing and how dare bloggers be in the mainstream fashion space. And so her journey online has been very exciting to watch. I also loved her TED talk she did back in 2012, which is all about being a teen and figuring stuff out. So Tavi is now the founder and editor of Rookie magazine, which um, is an incredible website. She has sort of shifted her focus from fashion to pop culture and, f- and feminist discussion. It broke one million page views within five days of launching back in 2011 when she was only 15 years old. And in her words, she says she wanted to create a space for teens because she couldn't find a publication for young people that respected its readers' intelligence and honestly addressed what they were going through and had actual teens writing for it. So another really exciting thing is she's launched the Rookie podcast very recently in collaboration with MTV. She interviews artists and asks them to sort of give advice. They answer a lot of questions and they talk about all of the different themes that they talk about on the other Rookie platforms. So really excited to talk to Tavi. Obviously, this episode is via Skype. I'm in my London flat on Skype and she is in New York. So I hope you enjoy it and I hope to meet Tavi in person one day. Here it is. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for being so flexible with the um, scheduling and everything. Oh, no worries. I, I know how busy you are and, um, you know, a lot of commitments. So I'm, I really appreciate it. Because my podcast is basically about talking to really amazing women who I admire and talk to them about creativity, but also kind of how the internet plays a role in everything now. So you're the perfect person. I know that you do so many things and sometimes projects you do take up a lot of your time. For example, uh, the theatre work that mm. you do. How? What's a normal day for you at the moment? Does it completely change every day? Yeah, I mean, it is wildly different based on whatever my like main, you know, obviously doing a play like changes everything. But at the moment, um, I'm really mostly working on the Rookie podcast and our next iteration of Rookie in print, which I don't actually know if I can really talk about it, but we're so close to being done with it. So lately it's just been like, I wake up, I go to my workspace in Manhattan and it's like a lot of emails or like going to MTV studios to record the podcast or scheduling interviews and and stuff like that. It feels, um, yeah, right now it's very like office jobby, which is definitely different from being in a play, but it's like fun stuff that I like doing. I swear people don't imagine like the the sort of admin and the actual work stuff. Yeah, I have to remind myself of that because I get frustrated sometimes because I'm like, you know, I do, I am kind of spoiled by like, 
being able to do theater or like uh, wanting to just write and being able to like, like I can be very, I can be pretty good about like self-discipline with writing because that's basically what I've been doing since I was uh, a kid, but like no one gets to not do this stuff. Well, I wanted to talk to you about the podcast because I love it. The first episode just blew me away because I think there is something so amazing and intimate about podcasting because I've listened to interviews with you being interviewed, but also Lord on the first episode, her being interviewed. And it felt like the most natural, fun. I felt like a fly on the wall that you two were just hanging out normally. Do you think that's kind of what's amazing about about, about that um, medium? Yeah, I mean, I am always trying to think about uh, making sure that every iteration of Rookie or just everything that I work on is like, there's a reason why it's that format or that medium and not anything else. Um, Like, why does this have to be a podcast or why does this have to be a book or why does this have to be an article? Um, And is there something that, is there any way it would work better as something else? So when we started working on the podcast, I was like, okay, I really like how conversations take detours. I like listening to something that's discursive. And some of our long form interviews on the site are like that. But with text, I think it's nice to kind of consolidate a little bit more. But with audio, I was like, let's just take full advantage of this and make sure that it is conversational and I mean, sometimes it, you know, with certain subjects, it functions better when it, it is just like a more of a traditional Q&A. And obviously there are a lot of like in-betweens, like it's rarely just one or the other. And you don't want it to be too conversational and just kind of sound like, you know, feel like you're just reading someone's like random Facebook post comments or whatever. But Um, with someone like Lord or Ella, especially like, because we are friends and there are things we talk about, like ideas that we're kind of refining together regularly. I thought it was really special to be able to put that like in someone's earbuds and not just in writing. It's so true. Cause I also feel like there's a sort of people are quite forgiving with, um, how it sounds sometimes. I know that, um, Obviously, your podcast is brilliant quality and, you know, you're doing it with MTV. But your series that you did for Rookie, Ask a Grown Man, there was a real, there was something really endearing and nice about the fact that actually it wasn't like in a studio with a, you know, with a massive setup, you know, it was just someone on their laptop. It was really, I loved that. Do you think it's similar with, with podcasts in a way? Yeah, I mean, obviously you want, like, some, like, audio quality is different in, like, a five-minute-long video than, like, an hour-long episode, but Mm. I think that with Rookie especially, like, I don't mind the texture of something being sort of lo-fi, and I also think that, like, uh, with the internet, it can be so scary publishing anything because it's so easy to take words out of context and or for someone to just kind of skim an article Mm. um and then decide what they think of it without actually reading and with the podcast like you actually have to listen I mean you can skip around whatever but you can't glance at it and form an opinion it requires more engagement so I I think that also allows for like slightly more nuanced 
uh, conversation or like to be broached. Yeah, it's really hard to sort of get a clickbait headline out of a 40 minute chat. It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of nice. Um, but I remember you tweeted something once, which was, I loved so much and I'm probably going to paraphrase it wrong because I haven't actually got it right in front of me, but it was something along the lines of, um, and I think it was kind of targeted maybe at younger girls, but saying like, if you've got an idea, you should save it sometimes and not necessarily put it in a blog post or tweet it. There's something about saving things like, cause it might be a book, it might be a film, it might be a script of some kind or or a play or something do you yeah are you able to talk a bit about that because I just thought that was so interesting yeah I mean I kind of change my mind about stuff like this all the time but I think like sometimes I'm like oh maybe I should have like a newsletter or something just to kind of work out the ideas that you know will one day ideally be in like a more considered piece of writing or something or like I listen to because we've been putting, we've been interviewing people um, for the podcast for a long time just to have like a huge backlog and kind of more of a, a little more choice and like how we sequence all of them. So like I was listening to one just now that was recorded like even I think before the election and there are parts of it where I'm like, oh, we can cut this because it's just me like working out an idea. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's nice to hear someone do that. But, like, I'm not the interview subject and, like, I should have just kind of saved that. And, I mean, the problem is when you become too precious about, like, saving things, the like, it'll come out anyways, like it did in those interviews. Like, I hear myself kind of being unable to resist making some sort of connection that is really more for me than for the person I'm talking to or the audience. So, like, I don't know how much you can, or, like, I have a friend who works a lot with bands and was, like, I had said something, I was talking about saving something, and he was, like, no, it's never a good idea when a band is, like, oh, we should save this song for the next album. Like, you should just be creative and have creative output and not be precious or not act, you know, you don't want to become rigid and then feel like everything you share has to be great because then you might never feel like anything's worth sharing but I do think like there's a difference between you know like I love you know using just emails to friends as a way to sort of work out an idea and I'm you know lucky to have friends where that is kind of how part of how we communicate and they wouldn't be like what are you talking about this has nothing to do with me (laughs) Um, but I do think like that is probably a more useful holding place for those for ideas that are sort of in flux rather than like a tweet or something I mean who cares like it's so transient but on the other hand I think when I said that it came out of like my friend was saying like oh my god have you noticed this one indie screenwriter has totally copped the tone of like teenagers you and I follow on Twitter like I think I was it I felt sort of protective of like oh my God, don't give away all of your shit for free. Like I, we're in a great moment in time where like for the first time people, like teenagers are not just consumers, they're also creators. But what that also means is like you are just giving away information and making it very easy for people whose job it is to co-opt and appropriate the ideas of the youth. And, like, you're making it very easy for them to figure out what 
seems authentic and then just sell it back to you. So I guess I feel protect. I mean, that's my whole life. So I feel like a little protective in that way. Yeah, that's really interesting because it's on both sides. It makes total sense because I've got a few friends that are comedians and they say that they want to put jokes out there to get more people interested in their comedy. But then who's not to say that someone's just going to go and put that joke in something else? But with um, with how much you have documented your life and, and you know, for, for anyone who has written a blog for however many years, it must be nice to be able to go back and see how much you've grown over the years. Do you enjoy kind of just that, just that kind of ability that if you ever wanted to write something like in 20 years time, you could, right. you know, you could find out what you were doing in like 2004, for example. Yeah, no, that is, I mean, it is useful in that way. More recently, I was, it was like, um the nine year anniversary of my first blog post and I went through and I don't think I could have handled reading everything but I could but I was like definitely saving all the pictures I took and like that was really crazy and cool to see because they're like self-portraits starting from when I was like 12 (laughs) um through the end of high school I mean I depends on my mood and how forgiving I am of myself on any given day anyways but I think um probably the one time I was like especially glad to have all of these half-formed thoughts of mine documented was like I did this play um in New York called This Is Our Youth by Kenneth Lonergan and there's a part where the character has that I played has this whole line about like oh, it's really depressing how, you know, in like 10 years, you'll read a letter that you wrote, and you won't even recognize your own handwriting. Mm. And you won't even remember what all of the stuff you're talking about really was. It's a lot better than that, the line, obviously, because it's written by Kenneth Lonergan. But um, <laughs> I, I had some friends who would always be like, that part really reminded me of something you would write on Rookie. And I was always like, oh, I don't know, like, that's not really one of the things that I connect to in the show. Like, there are a lot of them, but that one I've never really thought much about. And then I was, the play ended, and I was, like, having a weird night, and I went to look at some of my old writing, and I had written something for Rookie where I said, like, I wrote something remarkably similar, like, years ago, and it was just really, and, you know, obviously the whole idea being, like, you'll forget what you wrote, you'll forget what you believed in, you'll reread something and it won't even sound like you, it was really, really trippy and, you know, kind of sad but kind of exciting. So, yeah, I mean, on one hand, I have this incredible uh, volume of, like, past versions of myself online but I don't really like look at it ever so I feel pretty able to just like you know see every day or every year of my life as like a very new thing and you know I'm still growing so I'm I don't feel very like beholden to anything yeah I, I think that's why so many people really admire what you've done because it's there's there's this fear that I think a lot of people have that it it needs to be something like chiseled into stone like this is my opinion or this is what I'm this is my identity and I guess you've proven that you can you can kind of grow up and chop and change and say things and 
it's it's really I think it's kind of what creativity is all about especially if you're online yeah I mean I feel very lucky to have like a bunch of strangers who kind of have my back and where I don't really feel like I would ever be letting anyone down by like changing like it actually feels like that's sort of the thing that people are here for Mm -hmm. um so uh that is very I mean on one hand I do think like on some days I'm like man I have had basically for almost half of my life there have been like strangers who see me as a kind of beacon of like purity because I was plucked from obscurity on the internet and rookies independent and I was always independent and I've never had a stylist or a publicist and I didn't even have like a manager until re- like it is unique for an actor or writer or anyone in my position to have had this path and I'm like really proud of that I mean it's just how things worked out for me it's not better or worse than anything else but sometimes I am like god it is really fucking annoying for uh people to want you to like be pure and independent and all of these things forever Mm. Um, just because that's like what you have come to represent to them but like your real life and the implications of what you do are like you don't really get to be idealistic when you get older yeah because that's the thing with blogging though is is it's kind of it was always going to be a springboard I feel like I, I know so many people that started writing a blog and they still they still do but it's like it's just taken them on a different path because it's just built an audience and then is I think that's the most exciting thing about putting your work on the internet is is I mean of course everyone wants to grow and do and try new things but I I was wondering as well um I was thinking a lot about this with girls ending because now that they're all out of their 20s it's like girls Mm -hmm. has stopped and it's like a marker of a lot of millennial women who've kind of grown up. And I was thinking about how people kind of do love to celebrate the youth and like how young people are and like 20-somethings and teens and and that is great. But do you ever wonder like whether it's kind of a bad thing that being a young woman is is seen, seems to be in the media more than maybe like like mid-30s, mid-40s? Yeah. do, Do you notice that? Yeah, I mean, youth has always been valued by anyone looking to make money because if you can promise people, like, the opposite of death, they will want to buy whatever you're selling. Um, Even if it's just, like, you know, reading about young, like, the Jenners and, like, whatever that does for people. I mean, if I'm, like, going way out of my realm of experience to give some kind of analysis on that, like, I don't think it's crazy to assume that that has something to do with our uh, our culture's obsession with youth. Um, and I would hope that, you know, y- you have to be able to hold multiple ideas in your head at once. Like, on one hand, youth is a, a privilege in that way, especially, like, if I'm thinking about actors and the average age uh, in Hollywood where like women start making the most money or getting the most roles versus, uh, what it's like for men. It's something like for men, it's like 51 and for women, it's like 30 or something. So there's that. 
Yeah, you hear these stories of like a 28 year old having to play like the wife of like a 57 year old. It's just yeah. so weird. Oh, I know. There are obviously ageism goes in both directions. And I do find myself in a funny position because like I'm used as an example of like someone who is very successful at a young age. And we get so many questions at Rookie that are like, I feel bad about myself because I only ever see, like, I feel like I have to be a billionaire or, like, a successful entrepreneur or a prodigy, and, even though I'm, like, 16. And I'm, like, ugh, like, I obviously hate to think that anything I've done in my life contributes to that feeling, but you kind of can't, you can't really, like, move through the world entertaining every possible way that anything you do could somehow contribute to how someone else feels about like that's a kind of a form of hubris so I just try to like you know keep both things in mind and obviously rookie is for teenagers so we celebrate people who are young and doing really great things and going outside of whatever their you know whatever opportunities have been created for them or not by like their environment or their school or their community but I also think we do a good job of repeatedly reminding our readers and our listeners that like you have time you don't have to like your only obligation is to like yourself and your personal growth and you don't have to prove anything and you don't have to have everything figured out right now And I mean, right now, especially is a great time for just like figuring out who you want to be, not even with the intention of like having an answer, but just because it's really fun to try different things and identities. And yeah, it's kind of like a case by case balance of like being wanting to be encouraging and inspiring uh, and motivating and then also being like but you're you're fine like you don't have to do anything yeah and also it's quite freeing to know that of course even you know at any age you could you could take like a total de- detour out of what you're doing and change it up yeah. completely but I wondered if do you kind of have to give yourself that reminder as well because I can imagine if you've done so much early on like and that that pace of growth is like huge does it ever feel like you have to keep going at that rate or do you feel like you can take on that own advice of no one actually ever judges anyone for taking a break it's just maybe a personal battle yeah that's one thing that I was talking about um on the show with Lord because on one hand she had like kids tweeting at her every day like where's your new album I love you but on the other hand it's like not like obviously you do you're the most important thing like you do whatever's the best for the creative process for your own self-expression and like that's also probably what those fans appreciate more even if they don't realize it yet I guess yeah sometimes I feel that way I mean it's interesting like doing a play and being disconnected from the schedule of the internet and like this idea that this just this like way that time passes when you're when your job is working on the internet and you're like and like a zillion things happen every day that must be so nice to kind of 
check out of that for a bit. Yeah, I also like I like how immersive be, doing a play is, like how you in, like being able to engage with a piece of writing so much that you're like repeating it every night um and trying to like grow within it and that's not something that you even with like editing long form pieces or editing our books like that it's just um that's not something that really happens when your your job is to create content for the internet i would like to th- i mean i the goal is that rookie is more like that than you know some kind of content farm and like i it's really bums me out how many young writers are just kind of like assigned fleeting current events not edited and like just thrown out into the abyss by like publications that are really huge or whose primary concern is profit um so yeah I think I if anything I'm kind of always vying for more room to breathe yeah I've heard yeah. I've heard such um such great things like from a few writers in the UK that have written for Rookie um people saying like how much the editors really take time to create something that's like the writer's so proud to share at the end of it something that I think it's a shame if other bigger companies like don't have that resource anymore oh that makes me really happy to hear that and it's such a testament to our story editors I mean at this point I haven't like top edited anything on rookie since it started when I really had to like set the tone. Um, but like our editors are so considerate and like they care so much, not just about giving our readers something of substance, but like giving our writers, uh, or cartoonists or illustrators or what have you an experience of like, I mean, I think being edited, it can be a great experience. Like it's like, yeah, it can be really nurturing and it can be sort of like having a class at school where like you're the only student. So our editor is really amazing in that way. And also I feel like if you're given that, um, that attention in a piece like that, that's how people get discovered that's how someone could get a book deal if they've got like the long form amazing piece of writing to show or an illustrator who's been put in a really great context or I don't know it's kind of it's really helping that person's career as well I love it so I just wanted to ask you finally I guess how can people stay up to date with everything you're doing and Rookie and obviously the podcast Uh, people need to subscribe on iTunes is there anything Anything else people can find out the latest? Yeah, um, well, Rookie is Rookie Mag on Instagram and Twitter, and all of the posts go up on there as well, and all of the um, new episodes of the podcast, which you can also subscribe to on iTunes. Um, I basically put everything I am doing on Instagram, and my username is TaviTool, T-A-V-I-T-U-L-L-E. Um... And I, I guess that's it. Well, um, I hope everything else goes brilliantly for the rest of the year. And um, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. 